to museums. They took us to places that we wouldn't have gone on our own, but we thank them for it. Because it shaped us into who we are. Father, not everybody has a good mother, had a good mother. Some people, when you talk about their mothers, they get hurt, resentment, bitterness wells inside of them. The word separation comes to mind. For those, Lord, we still pray your blessing. We all fall short. Maybe they tried in their own way. Maybe they didn't. But we bless you for the fact that they brought us into this world. We bless you too, Father, for those mothers that took their places. Those spiritual, those emotional mothers. Be it grandmothers, aunts, sisters, friends, whomever it was you used to put that motherly love into our lives, we thank you. We bless you for those women. For the mothers who are and the mothers like our own Jordan who are in process of becoming a mother. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Sit down. Yeah, y'all can clap for Jordan. Go ahead. I don't know. Can I I say that, Jordan? Sorry. I don't think she's in the room anymore. All right. Hey, Jordan's pregnant. Um, So, good morning. Uh, Once again, we are in this series of spiritual disciplines, right? We've been talking about these different spiritual disciplines Walking through prayer last week was confession. Everybody have fun with confession? Yay, let's confess about things. Um, We're going to do it again until we get it right. We're going to keep confessing to each other. No, I'm just kidding. We're moving on. Um, Because I felt like you confessed to me and we're good. Uh, So we are uh, today going to talk about the the spiritual discipline of party. Kind of, right? Um, Thank you for there's Stace, my girl. Uh, Spiritual discipline of fellowship. The importance of gathering together as community in a group. Has anybody been watching um, AD, The Bible Continues, that series on TV? Anybody been watching that? Wow, one clap. Um, all right. So that's, Vince. Um, so, yeah, not many of you. Uh, and I, I have been recording it, and I'm a little behind. So those of you who are, don't tell me what happens. Um, no spoiler alerts for those of you that know what's going on. But I, I, uh, I did start watching some of it. And I have issues with it, yes, um, both theological and just cinematography-wise, um, you know. But that's neither here nor there. I applaud that they are trying to do something for the kingdom. And so I was watching, and I wanted to support it. And so I was, I recorded, I've been watching it. And the last episode that I saw was this great, um, great little episode in which um, Jesus died. Um, Sorry, I hope I didn't spoil that for anybody who's going to watch it later. Jesus dies uh, in this. And, and it's, in, it's the in-between time when he is dead and they're waiting for the resurrection. Uh, they get to the resurrection in this episode, but it's during this in-between time where all the disciples gather together in the upper room. Um, and they're all freaking out, right? I mean, they've just been through this horrific event. They, they have, um, you know, grown to love and care for this man just desperately and deeply. And, and some of them have different experiences. Peter is with him at the trial. Um, and then, you know, goes through this whole denial thing. Uh, and then, uh, John is with him at the actual crucifixion. And, and, and the various disciples have the different roles that they play in there, but they all kind of like scatter like roaches when the light comes on. And then they come back together and they're all coming back together in this upper room and they're all kind of freaking out over what's going on. 
and they're debating, do we leave Jerusalem? Let's bolt right now. Some are saying, no, we got to stay three days. We know it, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And Mary, the, the mother, is there, and she's like, he's coming back. You know, she doesn't actually talk like that. That would be weird. But um, she's got that, like, authority with her. And, you know, it, it's okay. It's great. What I love about this is the fact that they were doing what they knew to do. They were coming together. Because for the past three years, everything that they had been doing was done together. For three years, they had spent every moment together following this Jesus guy. They had had dinner with him. They had um, slept. They had woken. They had traveled. Everything that they were doing, they did together as a group, as a community. And so when all the stuff goes wrong, they like come back together. This is such an important part of the kingdom of God. The moment that our Savior is crucified, before he has conquered death, the very beginnings of what we are called to do happen. You come together as a community. Now this continues, if you know the story, I'm going to ruin it for you if you haven't caught up, so spoiler alert. Um, What happens is Jesus comes back. They're all like, yay! And Jesus is like, I know, and, um, and let's go do stuff. And so 40 days are like together, and they do things, and it's great and wonderful. And then comes the time where he's like, okay, this is getting old down here. I'm going to go to heaven and sit with Dad. I'll be back to get you, but I'm going. And then he does what I like to translate as the tag, you're it moment of Christianity, in which he gives us the Great Commission. Go into the world. Baptizing all nations, teaching them to obey, teaching them about my love. It's your turn. It's your turn to go into the world. So this is that moment where he turns it over to us. Now, what do the disciples do? They go. And they find themselves back in Jerusalem. 40 days after Pentecost, 50 days after Pentecost, still 10 days short, but, you know, 50 days after, not Pentecost, after the, after uh, Passover. For the celebration of Shavuot. This is something that all the Jews would have come in to celebrate Shavuot. It's the celebration of weeks. The celebration when they, when they, as I said earlier, uh, they celebrate the getting of the Ten Commandments. And a few weeks ago we talked about that we, we need to stop looking at that as, as a document of rules and regulations and begin to see it as this marriage contract, this, this relationship of love that God is setting up. This, it's building relationships right there. And so the Jews come together and they're seeing this. They have this moment of remembering our wedding day. Shavuot could be seen for me as their anniversary, the time when they began this relationship with God. And so they're gathering together in Jerusalem just cascades of people are coming in and it is on the southern steps of the temple mount where peter and his fellow disciples are gathering together for the celebration of shavuot when pentecost happens when the holy spirit descends upon them and they get these abilities to do things that they didn't have before and peter gets up and he delivers a sermon in ways that he had never been able to before and three thousand people believe and accept christ on that day that should get a yeah from somebody. Thank you. 3,000 people. Now, 3,000, that number is important, isn't it? It's a significant number. Anytime a number is mentioned in the text, there's a reason that it is there. 
3,000, if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the first time Moses came down the mountain with the commandments. He found the people of Israel already committing adultery on their wedding day. And he throws the tablets down. They shatter. God gets angry. Moses gets angry. And how many people do they kill that day? 3,000. On this day, the day of the beginning of the church, when the Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, God says, these people are not lost to me. Let's bring them back. 3,000. It's huge. It's important. Pay attention to numbers in the text. 153 fish. Why is that the number of fish they pull out when they cast the net on the other side of the boat? Because that was the known number of species of fish at the time, and it included everyone, not just the Jews. God makes statements through numbers, all right? So, 3,000 people are added to the number on that day. What do they do next? If you know the scripture, they're on the southern steps. Three thousand, Peter just delivers apparently the best sermon ever, because I've never had 3,000 people come down. Um, and uh, and 3,000 people are added to What do they do next? Anybody? What? They eat. Come on. Nobody likes to eat in here. They go have brunch. All right? A little Mother's Day brunch. A little champagne. A little, you know, tuna salad. Chicken salad. Whatever you have. They, they, have, they, have, they eat. They have a meal. They share a meal together. Right? Immediately after the 3,000 people are added to their numbers, the story goes like this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and shared the proceeds with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now in this, you have this amazing event where 3,000 people are. God's making this huge statement of faith. And then they go eat. They celebrate. And then what does it say they do right after that? They do it again, right? They eat, they celebrate the Lord's Prayer, and then they go out and they do more miraculous performings. Like, they just kind of overshoot that one, right? Many miraculous signs were performed, blah, 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 and then we ate, you know, and then we had a meal again. They sell all of their possessions. They gather together as a community. They take care of the things, of the needs of the different groups of the people in the group. In other words, they start life together. This is the beginning of the church. This is the beginning of the community of God. Now, in this, you have this example for what it looks like to be a community of believers. Now, you look at that and you may say, well, wait a minute. I'm not so sure that I want to sell all of my possessions and distribute the things around. Because I have a little bit more than other people do. I know that feeling. But before you leave today, we are going to have you fill out some forms. And you are going to sign over everything you have to me and Daryl. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. I don't think that that's what God is setting us up for here. I don't think that God is saying, this is how you must do community. From this point forward, this is what it looks like. Because let's talk about the kind of community they found themselves in. The kind of lifestyle that they had to lead back then. 
If you proclaimed allegiance to any God other than the God of the village in which you lived, your very life was on the line. If you didn't bow down to the God of that town, that marketplace, you could be killed. And in fact, most likely you would be. But as a good Jew, as a good Christian, as a believer in Yeshua, you know that there is but one God. Love the Lord your God, the Lord alone, with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. We know this because he taught us that. And so when you go into a village and they're like, oh, you need to bow down to Domitian. Domitian is the God here. You're like, eh, that dude ain't a God. He's an emperor. I know who God is. And they're like, okay, string him up. So how do you live life in an environment, in a world that stands against you? How do you live life when you live in a town where you go to the marketplace, the Agora, and in order to sell your ware, you have to get a stamp for the God of that town? Can't support your family because I can't get my stuff stamped by some goddess, some God, whoever it is. Because I know who God is. How do you support your family? Put food on the table when you go to the H-E-B and H-E-B says in order to buy here, you've got to acknowledge that this person is God. No, no, no. That's not God. I know who God is. So how do you live? You band together. You join together as a community. And you take care of the needs of one another. Hey, I'm a pretty good farmer and I have a great crop of food right now, but you know what we don't have is clothes. You're a great seamstress. Can we do something here? Hey, you know, my family is going through a rough time right now and um, my, my, uh, the eldest member of my family is sick and we don't know what to do and we can't take him to the places that are going to care for the people who are sick right now. No problem. We're going to surround you. We will take care of you. The reason they joined together in community was for life. They had to be together or they would die. The term do life together is a trendy topic right now in Christianity. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, who do you do life together? Who do you do? You may have heard it from me because I say it all the time. I think I started it. Not true. But we talk about these groups where you get together and we talk about Shabbat groups in here and we're like, how important those are. And, and here's the thing. The life that Peter and John and the disciples and all those people who are just getting this thing started and rolling, the way in which they existed back then is different from the way in which we live now. I'm glad you're sitting down for that revelation. But how much? How much more different is it really? Because look, I, I can put a little fish on the back of my car. I, I, I don't, but I could. I could put a bumper sticker that says my boss is a Jewish carpenter. I know, that one always makes me smile. I could put a cross, and we have a cross in the garden of our front yard, a little wrought iron, white wrought iron cross that Pastor Dinah gave us many years ago for Christmas. We have it in our front yard. I can wear a cross around my neck. I could even put on a clerical collar and walk into any building in San Antonio and not 
be thrown out. Except for if I walked into somewhere and they knew me. Like, what are you doing that on? My life isn't in jeopardy because I believe in the one true God. So the urgent need to have a community isn't there in the same way. But is it still there? The other night, um, a few, few weeks ago, some people called us who were putting on this big fundraiser here in town, and she was in charge of the whole event. And she said it would really mean a lot if you and Jenna would come and sit at our table. And I said, that is, um, that's great. Thank you. Um, we'd love to do it. And um, she's like, there's going to be a dance floor um, and a really good DJ from L.A., and we know how you like to roll. And I went, we'll be there. And so I told Jenna, and I'm like, you know, hey, we need to go support them. Um, She's worked really hard on this, and they called us and invited us personally to sit at their table and be really fun. It'll be a fun evening. You know, we'll get to go dance, and you know how we love to dance, babe. And she's like, you like to dance. And I said, I know. Um, And and you don't need to hear our conversations, but this is what happens. And so we start going to work on the babysitter thing because babysitters are an interesting Phenomena, I guess, of life, right? There are some really good babysitters that we know of, and then there are some people that you don't want anywhere near your children. Um, and then there are some children that babysitters don't want to be anywhere near, right? They're like, some, this family calls up, would you babysit? <laughs> yeah, not for you. Um, and so I don't know where we fall on that. Uh, I hope that we're not that family. But I do know that we have our own special challenges at the Crocker House. We have Grace. We have a nine-year-old little girl who still wears a diaper and doesn't talk and has tantrums like a two-year-old little girl, but she's the strength of a nine-year-old little girl. We have um, our own challenges. And so we can't just get any babysitter to come over. We can't just dial through the high school phone book and get any random person. Here's one thing I will never have is a high school boy to come over to my house and watch my nine-year-old daughter. Because she wears a diaper, and at some point, you're going to have to change it. And I was in high school once, and I want to save any high school boy from ever having to be confronted with that. Um, And it's just my own mind. I'm like, if a high school boy, I'm like, no, just go to bed. You're fine. Uh, And so we can't just get anybody. We have a little next door, a girl next door to us who is in high school, and she's wonderful. But she's very quiet and timid. Um, And so she... If grace goes grace on her, um, she wouldn't be able to handle it. And so she's come over when they're asleep, um, when grace is down, but that's about it. So we go through our normal round of babysitters, babysitter after babysitter after babysitter. We call family. We call everybody. We get six deep on the list and can't find anyone to come and watch the kids. I say we. Jenna did all of this. I'm just sitting. Have you found somebody yet? Um, well, I'm going to go without you. Uh, I didn't say that twice. Uh, and, and so <laughs> once maybe. And, and so we go through this whole list of people and it's just hard for us. And we finally found, uh, we called, I uh, text Gina Beal, who's our children's ministry director, uh, who knows Grace, loves Grace, Grace loves her. Um, and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing Saturday night? And she's like, nothing. And I was like, can I get you a bottle of wine to come to my house? That's right. I bribe people that way. And because um, I knew she wouldn't, like, let me pay her. 
And so she's like, sure. Uh, so she came over. She felt horrible that day, but she came uh, and, and stayed with the kids until they were down. And then the high school girl came over from next door. So I'm telling this story on Monday to two people that I do life with. And they both looked at me. From, we were at, uh, saw, uh, somewhere across a booth from one another. And they both verbally slapped me in the face. And they're like, you didn't call either one of us. What is wrong with you? Uh, but, well, um, I don't know. They're like, well, we are the ones who you should call in that circumstance. Teach us, train us, give us everything we need to come over and to take care of your family. Because that's what we're here for. I'm sorry. But see, that's it. It's because we couldn't live in this community. We couldn't do life in this community without them. On Friday nights, we gather together in these Shabbat groups and we celebrate this Shabbat, the Sabbath deal. But what happens in our group is this, as we gather together, and this week was at the Smith's house, and there's two pictures that live at the Smith's house and only at the Smith's house, and they're Smith family pictures. One, they're on um, the shores of Lake Tahoe, and one, they're in New Mexico on a mountain skiing. Grace loves these pictures. The way she tells us about the Smiths is this. This is her, her name for the Smiths. Because she thinks that they were going swimming at Lake Tahoe. And so that's the swimming picture. And so whenever she does this, I'm like, are you talking about the Smiths? She's like, yeah, yep. She says, yep, really well. Um, Do you want the Smiths picture? Yep. Um, And, you know, and that's how she communicates. So we go over there. And immediately when we get there, she's gone. (laughs) Looking for the pictures. Daryl has them in a strategically located place waiting for the right moment. Grace comes in with this picture that she had pulled off of the wall, and it's a photograph that they had put onto canvas. And I don't know if you know anything about photographs on canvas, but you can stick your finger through them very easily. And I freak out. I'm like, what? Grace, where did you get that? Daryl's like, it's cool. It's cool. I got this. I got this. And he goes over, and he shepherds Grace around, and he brings out the picture and goes, one of the pictures, and she freaks out. Yeah! and grabs it and runs off. It's like, you know, her little crack pipe or something. She goes in the corner and stares at the picture. (laughs) A little bit later, she comes up and she starts attacking Jenna and she's starting to pull on Jenna. And here comes Stacy or Casey or Joel or or Daryl or whomever comes up and goes, hey, come here, Grace. Let's go talk about this over here. And we just get to sit back and be in conversation with people that we rarely get to do when she's around. Why? Because they save our life. I don't say that flippantly either. Because we are in a community where our lives depend on one another. We are in a community that loves one another so much that we are willing to sacrifice, to take abuse, to, do, to go out of our way, to do whatever it takes to say, God loves you. That's what this first community was all about. It was gathering together and remembering that God loved you so much. He died for you. Remember just a few weeks ago when Jesus Christ died and then rose again? Remember how amazing that was, Peter? 
We're together to celebrate that every meal we sit down and have together is a Eucharist meal. Is a meal where we get to celebrate this love of Christ, the sacrificial love. We do so together in community because that's how God intended it to be. The discipline of fellowship is so hugely important in our lives. For a long time, the church decided that it was our job to create groups. And we were like, you know what? We're going to put you in a group. Come see us and we'll, we'll fill you in to some little group that you can do life with. The problem is most of the time when you gather together with those people, you're like, these people are idiots. I'm nuts and crazy. Their problems are way worse than mine. They were saying the same thing about you. But the thing was that you just didn't really have that connection with them because we tried to force it. You can't force community. Community has to happen. And so what you need to do is look around your life and see where you're already in community. You're already doing this. You're maybe not doing it with the purpose of saying that God loves you. That coming together to celebrate this Eucharistic meal every time you eat together. But you're already gathering together as a community. It's just time we refocus and reshift our understanding of what it means to live in a community. Are y'all just going to stand back there or are you going to come? <laughs> come on. <laughs> y'all look very angry back there. Um, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example that you have given us from the early church, the ways in which they lived together to glorify your name.